Well, good morning. Let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 12. We've been going through the book of Mark for several years, off and on again. I love preaching through scriptural text because it forces you to deal with texts that you normally wouldn't. And I would say I would probably have never preached on the text I'm going to preach on today if there wasn't a system here. But I'm so glad that I am because it's blessed me by studying it and it's going to bless you today. I know it's going to bless you because it's the word of God. The power of God's word always affects us positively when we have open hearts. Now, there's a group of people called the Sadducees. This is a group that Mark only references one time in his gospel, and the other gospels refer to a few more times. And he refers to them this one time today. The Sadducees were different from the Pharisees in a few different ways. First of all, there were not as many of them, but even though there was not as many of them, they were really influential. They comprised most of what we would call the Supreme Court today, what the Jewish Supreme Court, they uh, made a lot of rules for the people, and they had some belief systems that were different. They did not believe in the resurrection, meaning that people would be resurrected again. They, they did not think that was possible. They didn't believe God would have a final judgment, and they kind of have what, what we could um, make an equivalency today of kind of an elite ruling class uh, that had ideas that were not mainstream, but they would give those ideas in kind of a haughty, kind of a demeaning way. Now, I want to tell you all this because the scripture we're going to read today feels very, very odd. And I remember when I first started my devotional life, reading the scripture, it just felt strange. What I did not realize then, maybe you picked up on this right away, but I didn't realize then, but now I see that the Sadducees told this very strange, cumbersome story to make fun of the resurrection. They told this very odd story, um, kind of this hypothetical story to poke fun at the resurrection and Jesus who believed the resurrection. Now, when I say the resurrection here, at this point, they didn't know about Jesus would have the resurrection. I'm talking about the capacity for human beings to be resurrected again. So I want to give you a little background, and now we'll jump into the text. Does that sound good? I normally don't, I usually jump, you know, start with a, a, a funny, witty story, but I thought, let's give you some background first. Okay, and that's all subjective. At least I hope it's funny and witty. So if not, that's why I have my wife here to give me a courtesy laugh. So you're, you're great. You're beautiful, a great musician, and you give a great courtesy laugh. Perfect pastor's wife. I didn't say anything about her cooking. You notice that, Matt? <laughs> Sorry, I just had to have a joke there. <laughs> uh, we have a problem because this guy's sitting on the front row. This is not good. Can we move him? Because have you done this? You've never sat on the front row like this. This is not good. I feel your, the presence. She actually, that is like an old-fashioned joke. She's actually a very good cook, and that's just one of those old jokes. She said, not anymore. <laughs> Well, th this, this text does deal with marriage a little bit. I wanted to give you a little context on who my wife is and the type of relationship we have. We have a lot of fun together. I was being serious that time. Mark chapter 12, you have your Bibles out or, or, or you may be looking at your phone. Let's look at verse 18. And, and now that we have context, you'll understand um, the, how odd the story feels. 
Some Sadducees who, were, who say there is no resurrection came to him and questioned him. I just want to make note of this, that the issue of is there a resurrection was a big issue in the day of Jesus before what we now call Easter. Verse 19, teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leave, leaves his wife behind and leaves no child, his brother should take the wife and produce offspring for his brother. Here's where the story gets strange. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife and dying left no offspring. The second also took her and he died leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. The seven also left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died too. In the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be since the seven had married her? Do you now understand why I did not want to preach a sermon today? They were ridiculing the resurrection with the story. They were making fun of what they believe was a primitive thought that there would be a resurrection, that people would live beyond the 70 years, 90 years. Back then, life expectancy was much shorter. And the idea that people would live again, they were poking fun of that. The Pharisees, incidentally, did believe that. They believed in the resurrection. But this elite kind of ruling class did not. Verse 24, Jesus told them, are you not deceived because you don't know the scripture or the power of God? Can I parenthetically say, that's a real good description of a lot of churches today. They don't know the scripture and the power of God. I know that was a little snarky, but I just had to add that. That was just too good. Verse 25, for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now concerning the dead being raised, haven't you read in the book of Moses in the passage about the burning bush, how God spoke to him? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly deceived. And I would say this, the title of my message is this, it's all about the resurrection. And I'll say this, if you don't believe in the resurrection, I hope after today you truly do, because if not, you're in deception. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Please don't, don't hear that because questioning is part of our faith process. And I understand that. But I, I want you to see from the scripture today that we can't, we can't have Jesus and not believe in his plan of the resurrection. They go together hand in hand. Let me give you a couple comments on the text before we journey on. First of all, it says that in heaven will be like angels. Well, that is only true in context of marrying and having children. Angels don't do that. And so the Lord's saying we won't do that either. Other scripture tells us that uh, we are over the angels. Uh, we're made differently than them, uh, that God's placed them below us. So this is one of those times you want to look at the scripture in Context, But basically saying this, we get to heaven, there's not going to be any more need uh, for marriage. That seems really sad. We're going to look at that together uh, as this sermon unfolds. He says this, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In case you didn't know this, at this point, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had been dead for hundreds, even thousands of years. 
So he's saying this is that God is still God of these men who no longer live. And the reason God is still God of the men who no longer live is because these men and women will live again. This is our hope. This is the story of the resurrection. The story of the resurrection centers on Jesus and what he did on the third day after the cross. But the story is not about Jesus only. It's about us because of Jesus. There's a resurrection coming and there's a resurrection that is the center and the essence of our faith. And that's why we celebrate every week, every day. I grew up in Texas. I've still lived up to this point more years in Texas than I have in Tennessee. Beth uh, grew up in Kentucky, but we moved to Texas for three years. So over the last 18 years of marriage, 15 have been here in Nashville, the other three in the Dallas area. So this was early on in our marriage. She wasn't as familiar with the state. So sometimes we would take little road trips. Abby was a baby. Abby sitting here in the front row. She was just a little baby. So, you know, it's nap time. You know, go for a ride. Babies sleep really good when you drive. So in those days, it was right before the information internet revolution. So you didn't necessarily do all this research about where you're going to go like find apps where the best restaurants are and find all the intel beforehand. You just took an old-fashioned map and you went there and you'd figure it out as you go. You remember those days? Does anyone remember those days? Okay, wow. And so you just got a map and took off. So we did this one Saturday. We heard about this awesome place called Tyler, Texas. And it had this great tagline, the rose capital of the world. Doesn't that sound appealing? the rose capital of the world. I mean, you even start having images in your mind of like driving into the city limits and having just roses everywhere and and just this beautiful kind of mythical place, the rose capital of the entire world. So we take off on, on a Saturday, go into Tyler, drive all around town, everywhere, the town square, the outskirts, everywhere. Didn't see any more Lowe's than you can see at, uh, any more roses that you could see at Lowe's or Home Depot this afternoon. I mean, what a disappointment. I don't know what the issue was. I don't think I missed it because it wasn't that big of a town. We drove everywhere and did not, did not see sufficient roses to meet that expectation. Here's the deal. You can say all you want to, you're the rose capital of the world, but if you don't have roses, you're not in my book. You can say you're Starbucks all day, but if you don't have coffee, you're not Starbucks. You can say you're a school, but if you don't have students, you're not a school. Here's the point I'm trying to get at. If there is no resurrection, there is no Christianity. If there is no resurrection, there is no gospel. If there is no resurrection, we have no faith. If there is no resurrection, what we do has no meaning. The resurrection, it's all about the resurrection. And in this story that we find in Mark 12, Jesus is setting the stage for the big resurrection, his resurrection, by establishing the fact that everything is pointing to Jesus. And so the belief in Judaism that we, there will be another resurrection is pointing to his resurrection. So here's the first point I want you to write down. I've already made it. Resurrection is the essence of our faith. It's the essence of our faith. I have blanks that you can fill in on the review to engage you if you so choose. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 which is the most important, one of the most important chapters in the Bible. Yet, it, it, we, we, don't, we, we don't read it enough. It's underexposed. 
It's not one of those chapters that work well for bumper stickers and frameable phrases and knickknacks in our kitchen. So we forget those. But it is everything for our faith. And I want you to read the scripture today. I'm going to give some commentary because, again, I would be satisfied if something happened today. It's something you maybe already believe, but you just know of this great attachment of your faith to the resurrection. Because the resurrection is under assault. And it comes and goes in different waves and times. But much like the Sadducees, this small group that wants to cause kind of this um, intellectual um, disdain upon people who believe in the resurrection. So, so maybe the last 100 years, 110 years in academia, the seminaries, there are a smaller group. They're not large in number, but they're large in influence that want to question the resurrection of Jesus and its association with Christianity. Now, I know that doesn't seem relevant to you right now, but it will be relevant when your college freshman is sitting in a class by one of those people. And it will be relevant when someone hands you a pamphlet or a book and you're like, well, I haven't really thought about the resurrection. Did it really happen? Has it happened? And I want us to center here on what Scripture says. So if we're going to believe the Bible, be Scripture-believing people, Jesus-believing people, I want you to see the case here that Scripture saying you have to believe in the resurrection. You can't take part of Jesus and not all of Jesus. You can't say, well, the cross is kind of cool. It makes it nice decoration piece, a nice piece of jewelry. But the resurrection, I'm not quite sure about that. The idea of Jesus dying is okay, but did he really, was he really resurrected on the third day? I'm not so sure about that. They have to go together. They have to be complete. Now, if you're thinking I'm coming out, if you think, well, Aaron's really strong about this today, I'm going to show you from the scripture uh, where that's the case. You've already seen it, how Jesus stated that so clearly in Mark 12. But now 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is without foundation, and so is your faith. It's all about the resurrection. Do you see that? Verse 15. In addition, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, and look at the statement, verse 17, your faith is worthless. I want this to sink into to good soil this morning of your heart. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. This is how much the scripture is putting the resurrection on the line. The resurrection is everything. The the power of the cross is not effective without the resurrection. The coming of the Lord will not happen again if there is no resurrection. And then here's the part that gets down to a more personal level. If there is no resurrection, then we have no life again in the future. We will not be resurrected. Then it's just this life. We're, we're, li- we're living the amount of years that, that our health allows, that circumstances allow, that, quote, fate allows, and then we only exist in the memory of our ancestors after that. That's what's on the line if there is no resurrection. If there is no resurrection, then you are wasting your time by coming to church on Sunday. 
there is no resurrection, your tithe is not needed. If there is no resurrection, there's no reason to have moral restraints and try to live according to the scripture because eat, eat as, a, as the phrase used to go, eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Everything lies upon the cross and the resurrection. So it says in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Therefore, those who have fallen in, in sleep in Christ have also perished. Let's talk about that for a second. This is a, this is a scripture that, this is a scripture that would cause for me hopelessness to come about me. It would cause overwhelming grief. It's basically saying this, if there is no resurrection, then everyone you've known who's died, you'll never see again. You'll never be with again. They're only, they're only exist in your imagination. There is no resurrection. There'll be no reunion. There'll be no seeing our loved ones once again. There'll be no meeting our ancestors or those who have impacted our faith. So much is on the line on this very important truth. Therefore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. Verse 19, if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Are you seeing that? I'm, I'm gonna tell you this. If there is no resurrection, then what we do as Christians and, and how we live and what we believe in, we are to be looked down upon. We're to be disdained because we are really, really naive and ignorant, and we're weak-minded. Uh, we're so weak-minded, we need some kind of crutch to help us get through life because we can't manage ourselves. So we'll believe in this Jesus guy. Oh yeah, Jesus died and rose from the dead. Well, it's not really true, but it's just been a great psychological crush to help me get through adversity. You know, if that's the truth, I am to be pitied. If I'm giving my life every, every week and every day to proclaim the gospel, and at the end of the day, it, all it was was just a story, all it was was just something to kind of believe, to help give meaning to our life, to create community here, community here to try to give us a, a little bit of edge in life. If that's all it's about, then I'm doing the most foolish thing in the world. There is no resurrection. We are to be pitied. We are to be looked down upon. So the scripture goes on to say this, uh, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. And look at this phrase, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is an amazing revelation. Now, before we begin to get disturbed and wonder, well, what's going on with our, our loved ones now? Those who have died, are they with God? We know other scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there's this great comfort we have that those who have already died are with God now. But there is another occurrence, there's another happening at the coming of Christ, that Christ, who was resurrected on the third day, it wasn't the last resurrected, it was the first resurrection, it was the holy resurrection, it was the, the resurrection that made every other resurrection possible. Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Going on, it says this, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ, all will be made alive. Verse 23, now I love this. Each in his own order. Christ the first fruit, afterwards his coming, and then those who belong to Christ. Here's the order. Jesus was, was raised again at what we call Easter. Then he's gonna come again. And then all who are in Christ will rise again. Okay, the implications of this is amazing. The implications is this, is that God has a plan. 
He has a plan for you. He has a plan for our loved ones. He has a plan for us all. And it's not just about this life. It's not just about this day. It's not just about this world or the years we have here. There is a life that goes on beyond this. And what makes it possible is not you, not me, but Jesus. Jesus was the first fruits, meaning he was the only one qualified. He was the only one eligible. He was the only one who was sinless. He was the only one holy. He was the only one who had power to overcome darkness and evil and death and Hades, what we call hell. He was the only one qualified to do it. And because Jesus overcame death and Jesus overcame decay and Jesus overcame uh, the grave itself, then he has made us overcomers, not by our power, not by our strength, but because of him and what he's done. He's the first fruits and he went first so we can go again. First Christ, then his coming, and then we're gonna rise again with him. This is something to celebrate. This is something that that is the essence of our faith. And this is why we worship uh, weekly on Sunday. We don't celebrate the resurrection on what culture calls Easter. It's great, and obviously we put effort, and we have record crowds on Easter, and we will again. But we celebrate the resurrection every single Sunday. This is the Lord's Day. We come in your very presence. The very fact that you are sitting in a church like this is saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's alive. I'm putting him first this week. I'm putting him first because he put me first. And we are here as God's people proclaiming our God is not dead. Our God is not a myth. Our God is not a legend. Our God is not something that we just mentally assent to to help us. Our God is real and he's alive and he's alive right now. He has been resurrected and we will be resurrected with him. That is why we gather. So we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday and we celebrate the resurrection every day. It's the essence of our faith. It's the center of who we are. And so we want to strengthen that which is good, strengthen that which matters in our life. I take for granted that you guys know all of my family, but as our church is growing and we're getting more accomplished, you don't know all of my family. I have three children, uh, Abby, Luke, and Lincoln. Abby's in here now. That's my nephew there. He's the age of one of my sons and my other nephew sitting here. And I've got several families, so I can't start naming everybody now. Uh, but Lincoln is a very precocious 11-year-old. You talk to the guy and um, you think he's 40 because he's smarter than me in a lot of issues. And he's always been this way. Uh, when I first came to this church, he was age four, and I was just working it. You know, I was working, uh, I mean, kind of like I do after church now, trying to say hi to everyone, try to get to everybody, trying to greet everyone and all this. And Lincoln would come and ask questions. I'd just shoo him away. I'm like, I'm a great dad every hour of the week except for Sunday morning. So I was like, go do your thing, little four-year-old child, because I'm on pastor duty here. Yeah, great, great job, wasn't it? So he would come do that, and i just kind of shoo him away. And one day, he was so verbal, so advanced for his age, he tugged on my pants, and he said, Dad, whenever we're at church, you treat me like I'm a stranger. <laughs> and he was, he was kind of right. So uh, I, I adjusted my lifestyle there, and now I, I stop, and I say hello, I look him in the eye, and then I tell him to scram and let me do my job. <laughs> so I'm getting a little better. Now, don't feel sorry for my kids because let me tell you something, my kids are blessed. And I I want you to know this. My children are blessed to be in this church. 
A lot of pastors' kids are bitter at the church and, you know, they're taking my dad and my mom away. They've got, they've got it bad because not only is their dad the pastor, their mom's a worship leader, and now all the kids, they're in the youth group. Big sister is the youth leader worship, the, the youth group worship leader. So my poor boys, they're getting it. Uh, they have um, family connections everywhere. But um, they are blessed. They are blessed. You guys have blessed my children. And so my children love going to church. Uh, my boys and my girl, all three of them volunteer to come to both services when they don't have to, to serve because they love this church. So thank you for doing that. Uh, it made me think about those relationships we have. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the church feels different from the rest of life. And I, I think we need to be careful about that. When I think about uh, heaven, sometimes I've got really nervous about heaven because we've been at a great worship set like you experienced this morning. Worship was so good this morning, uh, that music component time. And we've been going like 25 minutes. And I'm getting kind of tired. You know, I've enjoyed it, but I'm a little tired, maybe ready to sit down, maybe not ready to sing anymore. But the worship team, they've been up here like working so hard all week and they're really into it. And so one of the worship leaders may something like this, they may say something like this. Isn't this great? Just think, in heaven, we get to do this forever. And I'm thinking, oh no. Like, I want to go to heaven, but I don't know if I want to do that forever. There's other things that interest me. The concept is true. So we think about heaven, things are going to be different and we just don't understand. Our minds can't process how things are gonna be different. But um, our relationships are gonna be different. Here's my second point is this. Resurrection changes the social order. This is gonna seem sad at first, but it's really not. I, I don't understand everything that's gonna happen in heaven, but I think we, it's okay to imagine things we enjoy to do now doing in heaven because Jesus said, no mind can conceive, no, no heart can understand what God has prepared for us. So heaven's gonna be incredible. It's not just gonna be stuck in a church service for eternity. It's gonna be in God's presence for eternity. In God's, in God's presence, he may wanna go hiking with you or he may want to crochet with you. I don't know. <laughs> whatever you enjoy, do it. Play electric guitar with you, whatever the case is, whatever you can imagine. But here's the part that's a little odd. Mark 12, 25, for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they're like angels in heaven. So this is the fact, going back to the original text, how Jesus the, the Sadducees were trying to trick Jesus. And so he just gives some theological teachings that we're not necessarily going to be married in heaven. So going back to the story about Lincoln, I started thinking about that. And I could see myself in heaven, like worshiping the Lord, like in God's presence and, and then bumping into Beth and being like, oh yeah, we're, we were married for a few decades, right? Oh, I just, I'm just about Jesus here. That's not funny, is it? So obviously we created like three human beings together. So when we're in heaven, when we're in heaven, I think we're going to be great friends. So this is not going well. <laughs> it went a lot better at 9 a.m. So 
here, here's the point I'm trying to make, and let me get back on, and uh, let me get back on target. Is I think in heaven, I, and I, I mean this, I mean this. I'm not trying to be be sarcastic or, or be funny or cute or anything. And I think in heaven, Beth's going to be best friends. We're going to be best friends. And the sadness we get, like, oh no, we're supposed to be married forever because Zales does commercials at Christmas and says diamonds are forever. And 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 we've been all this this kind of cultural uh, conditioning has made us think marriage is forever. Um, it is, it is in the sense that I think we'll have a unique and special relationship, but a lot of the stresses around marriage won't be relevant in heaven. And here's a reason why, is marriage here on earth points to the relationship that God wants to have to the church. It, that's why marriage is so important. And why it really does matter is because it proclaims the gospel. Marriage proclaims the gospel and what's going to happen. And so we have to trust God that our needs will be different and change and that everything will be perfect under him. And it does take away some of the stress. Now, I have, I have a happy marriage. I thank God for that. I have a wonderful wife. And I, I have that. But I know sometimes we're in marriages and it gets complicated because we were married to more than one people. Like, who am I going to be married to in heaven? Or what if my spouse passes away and I remarried? Or what if I was married to someone and they were a great Christian? Then they quit living for the Lord and so a divorce occurred. Now they're living for the Lord again. Will I be married to them like they were? And all that. So see all the stress that goes on with it? And, and the Lord's just saying, we're not going to have to worry about that in heaven. For single people, they're thinking, I've got to pick someone because... Marriage is like so forever. If they're a Christian, I'm gonna be married to them forever and ever and ever. And the Lord just saying, we're not gonna, that's not gonna be an issue. That's gonna be an issue. So I, I hope that brings you, I know that feels odd to us, but I think it's a comforting thing. I think it's a good thing. I think that um, we have to understand that the relationships we have in heaven are gonna be perfect. They're not gonna have the strife they're not going to have the miscommunication. The relationships we have in heaven are not going to have um, the misunderstandings. They're not going to have that sense of sickness. And then I think the important thing is that Jesus is going to be enough for all of us. And, and it's hard for us to accept that that, that, that even feels trite. We're like, we, we may love someone or love the idea of something so much that that just doesn't sound satisfying. And that's okay because Jesus gives us grace for that too. He is so much better. He is so much better. And life will be better with him. I used to read a lot of blogs. I used to write a blog too. And uh, I don't write it as much. And I can just tell how that has grieved this congregation. Ha, ha, ha. My sister and my, my aunt read my blog. That's about it, I think. I always ask Beth, hey, did you see that blog the other day? She's like, oh, I haven't quite read that yet, but I'm looking forward to it. When she said that 30 times in a row, I get the hint. But when I used to read a blog, um, used to read a variety of them, and there was a pastor here in Middle Tennessee that was my favorite blogger. His blog wasn't very popular because he didn't put um, silly kind of reactionary titles to try to get people to go there. It was just really solid teaching um, about his life. And I would read this. And I learned a lot about him as a leader, him as a pastor, him as a family man. I learned a lot about him as um, his opinion on different relevant issues. But I've never met this guy. 
In the back of my mind, I thought it'd be cool to meet him sometime, but I wasn't going to try to like call a secretary and set something, else, set something up. I'm a little bit beyond that right now. I'm trying to set up appointments with you guys. I'd rather hang out with you than these random people. Uh, so one day I'm sitting in a um, luncheon type situation with a few hundred people in the room. This guy walks into the room and he's holding his plate of food and he's not with anyone else and he's looking for a place to sit. I had a place right next to me, so I motioned to him. He sat there. Uh, after that lunch, we became friends. And since that time, uh, we have a regularly scheduled meeting, lunch or coffee or something like that. And it's interesting because as much as I enjoyed following his blog, the depth of friendship now is so much better that when we meet face to face, because I know his tone of voice, I know uh, more details about his ministry that didn't come across over writing. Uh, I know quirky little habits that he does at lunch and just different types of stories that never would have come across because there's a whole lot of difference between writing about something or reading about something and knowing someone personally. Here's the last point I want to make about the resurrection. The resurrection creates a dynamic living relationship with God. That's why the resurrection matters. If there is no resurrection, all we are is following a, a historical figure. If there is no resurrection, all we are doing is we're following in all the different categories that sociologists want to put people or demogra demographic um, poll takers want to put people. Here it is, all the different religions. And yes, here's a Christian slot. You fall into that. If there is no resurrection, then we're just following uh, an idea. But there's more than that. We're in relationship. We're in relationship with a very specific God who's very much alive today, as alive as I am talking to you right now. Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 10. There's many, many scriptures that proclaim this, but I know of no more effective one than this. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Think about this. Think about this. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You're in relationship. Because when we receive the grace of salvation and we're converted, it's more than just agreeing that Jesus is the son of God. We get the deposit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes residence within our lives. That's where we get the term. The term is not in the Bible, though it's a helpful term. Ask Jesus into my heart. That comes from deduction of several scriptures such as this that lets us know that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our salvation, that the Holy Spirit comes and resides within us upon salvation. We're in relationship with this God. We're in relationship with this God who's alive. We're in this relationship with this God who has, has come alive with resurrection power. And this proclaims our future. 
that our life, our lives are not limited to the years we have today. Through Christ, we have eternity forever and ever to enjoy the presence of the Lord, to be in community with the saints we know and the saints we'll come to know. That is what the resurrection is about. I want to invite Beth to join me here. And I was, I'm, as Beth's coming up here, you know, I, I do tease her a little bit. And, you know, that, that is a sign of a healthy marriage. She's going to tease someone. <laughs> you, you can only tease someone if you have confidence in, in that love and in that relationship. So I've demonstrated my confidence in our relationship. Amen? Yes. <laughs> Let's stand together. Let's stand together all over, all over the room. Thank you, Lord. We're here to proclaim the resurrection of the Lord, that there's a better day, there's a better moment, there's a better time, there's a better future. I, I, I want you to reflect upon those you know in Christ, those saints who have gone before you, those who believed in the name of Jesus, those who have had opportunity now to know Jesus in a way they never had an opportunity on this earth. How many know that it's not over for them, it's not over for us? We believe in the power of the resurrection because if we don't believe in the power of the resurrection, there is not hope. If we don't believe in the power of the resurrection, we are to be pitied. We are to be looked down upon. But what we believe in, we're sure of. We're sure of because God has promised. He promised that because of the resurrection, that he wasn't going away forever. He wouldn't leave us here as orphans, but as sure as he ascended into heaven before the, the uh, disciples and all those witnesses, he said, I am going to come back in the same manner. Our Jesus is coming back again. Our Jesus is coming back for us. We don't know when. We don't know how. We don't know the details as much as we try to prognosticate and predict and come up with our formulas and come up with all of our little tricks. They pale in comparison with the wisdom of God for the wisdom of the Father who is waiting for men and women to come to know the Lord will prevail and he will wait as long as he chooses in his wisdom because he wants all men and women to come to know his name and when he comes he's going to come at the right time and we just need to make sure we're the right people we need to make sure we're people who are waiting we're not attached to this world we're not attached to this system we're not attached to this culture we're getting more and more attached to this Jesus who is alive this Jesus who's living within us, this Jesus who was resurrected and he didn't go hide, he didn't go disappear. He said he sent his Holy Spirit that's within us and he's among us this morning. Jesus is here and he's among us and he is real today. We proclaim his character. We proclaim his, uh, his strength. We proclaim who he has chosen to reveal to us everything that Jesus is. This is the essence of our faith. And without that resurrection, Without that resurrection, we are to be pitied. And so today, what I want us to do is I want us to kind of put, put our foot down in this, in this belief that we, we can know this, that we are not going to waver. We're not going to doubt. We're, we're going to, by faith, honor the story that God has given us. Honor who God is. Honor what he, who he is in our life and what he's, he revealed himself to be. And we're going to proclaim his resurrection.